Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Miss Independent Show. I've been a little MIA in the past little bit because I've been working on a couple of massive campaigns that go live around May, and these partnerships are beyond my wildest dreams, and I'm so pumped to be working on them. So I will keep you guys posted for when they launch. And I'm not going to do a life update this week, mainly because I feel like this whole episode is going to be one big life update. Wedding planning has consumed my life for the past six months, and I didn't think I'd be the type of person who stresses out about this kind of stuff because I'm very type A and organized, but holy hell, it's tough. There's so many different things to consider, right? You're constantly negotiating. There's so many different interests, stakeholders that you have to manage, parents on both sides with different opinions, timelines that you have to manage, and budget that I have to consider. And I've been basically a project manager, a travel agent, and a creative director all in one in the past couple months. And to keep myself organized and not go on a tangent, I'm going to give you guys a little agenda. It's my type A showing. And this way, I don't go off on a tangent and I tell you guys what to expect because we all know I can do that sometimes. So here's what I want to dive into. I want to go into a timeline of my decision-making process, where we are in the game now, I want to dive into costs a little bit and where I found opportunities to be budget conscious, but also make the most impact. And I'll go through some of my just general thoughts and feelings and where I'm at with this whole process. So a bit more of a casual episode today, but I'm so into it. Okay, so I was thinking, how do I start this off? But I think I'm going to start with the proposal. So if you guys don't know, Alex and I got engaged on December 27th, 2021. So it's almost year and a half now. And for the holidays, we rented out a ski chalet with some of our closest friends in Montremblant. I was traveling outside the country. That point was a little hectic, given everything going on. So Alex and I decided to do a bit of a road trip through Montreal and Quebec City. We'd been to Montreal a couple times, never the two of us, and I'd never been to Quebec City. So I was really excited. And it was beautiful in the winter. We stayed in Montreal. We stayed at Le Mont-Stephane. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. People always go after me for my pronunciations on TikTok, but Le Mont-Stephane. Le Mont-Stephane? Whatever. Anyways, it's a five-star hotel, and I booked it all on points thanks to my Amex. So if you guys haven't listened to last week's mini episode on which Amex you should get, highly recommend. All of the hotels we stayed at on this trip were covered by our Amex points. And... In Montreal, it was actually the first time that I met up with another content creator with Ritu Maz, who's such an easygoing and fun personality. You guys got to follow her if you don't already. She's such a badass entrepreneur. She just opened up a banquet hall. So if you're an MTL, definitely go check it out. She runs a grocery store and that's all outside TikTok and the content creation efforts that she does on a daily basis. So it was a ton of fun to go see her in Montreal and spend a couple of days there. Then we went to Quebec City. And we stayed at the Auberge Saint-Antoine, also another five-star hotel, and they actually upgraded us to a suite. So if you don't know this, on Amex, if you book hotels, they have a certain category of hotels. It's called their signature selection. And when you book on Amex through the Amex portal, they will give you a free upgrade, which a lot of people don't know about. But that's why you guys listen to the, the Miss Independent pod. But anyways, back to Quebec City. We stayed in Quebec City for two nights, and we're coming off this high, right? This really cute, super special couple's trip. And I kept thinking, Alex is going to propose there, because I just got this feeling. I don't know. Like, I can't explain it, ladies. I feel like you're never really caught off guard. 
Like the day of, maybe, but you generally know when it's coming. So on our last morning in Quebec City, I decided to curl my hair out of the blue. I don't know why, just wanted to look cute, because you never know. And I've been getting my nails done religiously, so that wasn't an issue. But when we finally got to Mont Tremblant, as soon as we got to our chalet, I remember interrogating two of my girlfriends, being like, okay, so I know this is going to happen this week. I know it. So just tell me what you know so we can be on the same page. And they were both super poker-faced, telling me like, no, girl, I, I don't think so. It's a trip. I feel like you'd do it at home. But I did communicate to Alex, and highly recommend you do this, by the way. I told Alex, not exactly how, but I gave him a general idea of what I wanted a proposal to look like. So I told him I wanted it to be a special moment with us too, and that I wanted our friends to be close by so we could celebrate with everyone who's really special in our lives. And that night, the first night that we got to Mont we were with all of our friends, we were hanging out, we were drinking, partying until like 2 a.m., And I remember Alex, when he went to bed, he was like tossing and turning all night. I didn't think much of it. I just thought the alcohol affected his sleep quality, which it usually does. But then at 7 a.m., I get woken up by my friend Mia, and she tells me she wants to borrow my Dyson. And one thing about me is I don't like being woken up. Like, I can be very grumpy in the mornings before I have my coffee. And people who are around me, they know this, so they typically let me wake up on my own. But Mia comes in. And she asks to borrow the Dyson. And honestly, I don't even remember her saying this, but eventually she gets me up. I put on this dark blue onesie suit, like head to toe, dark blue fleece. I have makeup on from the night before. And I know it's a big no-no, but when I'm lazy, I still forget to take it off sometimes. And Mia looks at me as I reach for this onesie and she's like, no, absolutely not. Go put yourself together. She goes, it's happening. I'm like, what's happening, Mia? It's 7 a.m. Why the fuck are you here? And she's like, babe, it's happening. And then it hits me. So I go take off last night's makeup, put on a fresh layer of concealer to hide the designer bags under my eyes. I put on what I call a sock dress, basically like a green knit dress. So I look somewhat put together, but... In reality, this is like the equivalent of wearing sweatpants. And I walk outside. And the minute I open my door, I literally trip over my feet. There's a red carpet that's coming from the room all the way to the balcony, which is like across the entire Airbnb. There's lanterns that are lined all along the red walkway. And there's floral arrangements that are strategically placed all along the red path. And I slowly walk all the way to the balcony. Keep in mind, it's, it's 7 a.m. in the winter, so the sun is rising. The sky's all pink. The snow is gently falling. And Alex is outside wearing a matching dark green Patagonia jacket. It's not even his. Apparently, he was waiting outside for me to come out for a while, doing squats and jumping jacks to keep warm because he didn't know how long I was going to take. And a friend gave him his jacket, which was very sweet. So I come out in my slippers, and Alex and I are just miraculously somehow matching. And there's these big marquee letters that spell Marry Me behind him, all lit up. And there's flower arrangements and lanterns everywhere. So it was really beautiful. And then Alex said some nice things to me, and he asked me to be his wife. 
and I fully blacked out. Like, I can't remember a thing he said, but apparently I said yes. So that was the engagement. Then I posted the business concept behind the marquee letters he rented, and it went viral on TikTok. And if you didn't see that one, it's about a guy who rents the letters. So Alex likes to talk to entrepreneurs and talk to this guy about his business a little bit. And the guy makes 50K in profit every year. Although I don't know how many competitors the poor lad has now because I vocalized his side hustle. But he has three different sets of the alphabet and then he keeps them all in a storage unit or in a warehouse like just outside the city. Wedding prop side hustles are a great idea, by the way, if anyone's looked into it. As now firsthand, I've seen how expensive weddings can be and how much people are willing to spend on useless shit that they use for one night. So you guys, now you, so now you guys know how Alex proposed, which is a cute story. We love Alex. He's such a gem. And now we've been engaged for over a year, almost a year and a half, and it will be just under two years before we get married. And the reason we did a longer engagement is, one, just to enjoy it, because there's so much stress that comes with wedding planning, so we just wanted to spend some time, just us, and enjoy this new phase and chapter we were coming into. And two, there's so much pressure from family to start breeding, to to bring them offspring that's basically going to keep them entertained. And I don't think I'm ready for that yet. I'm barely prepared for this chapter of my life right now. So... We gave ourselves two years to plan and honestly, thank God we did that because this has not been easy and I've only just started to scratch the surface of what wedding planning is. It's been a fun process. I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to find the positivity and the joy in it, even though it it can be stressful and it definitely hasn't been easy. But I want to tell you guys the journey because shit has hit the fan multiple times. Gone through all these phases. When we first got engaged, we were like, let's have a destination wedding. But then there are too many guests that we don't want to invite. Okay, fuck it. Let's elope. And if we elope, it's still going to be like 40 people with all of our friends and family. And if it's already at 40, then we might as well just invite everybody and do a proper wedding. So we went back and forth, back and forth. And here's the final update. We're getting married at a resort in Cancun on December 2nd, 2023. Originally, I loved the idea of getting married in November because nothing really happens in November and the weather can be kind of gross. So I wanted to get married in November, but there are no available dates in November for any of the hotels we looked at. So on November 23rd, we're going to get legally married and then we're going to do a symbolic ceremony officiated by a friend of ours in Mexico. Part of the reason why we're doing a symbolic ceremony is it's significantly easier to do this than to have a civil or a religious ceremony. And neither Alex nor I are religious in any way, so that's completely you know, ruled out of the question. And do I want to go through the hassle of having my wedding certificate translated and notarized and all of that? No. Honestly, I'd rather not. So that's why we chose doing it in a symbolic way. Now, the reason we chose destination versus doing something local is because people are going to travel to this wedding either way. So why not lock all of our favorite people in one place and be able to spend a prolonged period of time with them? A lot of these people we haven't seen in a while, so it'd be nice to see them for more than just one night. So the top priority for us is spending time with people and making memories with them outside of just seeing them for five hours. 
Now, I've always dreamed about having a destination wedding, so this kind of just worked out for us. Cost-wise, it's something to consider as well. Depending on how many people you have at a wedding, this is going to vary. But the average cost of having a wedding in Toronto is $56,000 for 150 guests. And that's wild, right? Think about the fact that that is all for one evening. I've seen venues in Toronto go for $30,000 for one night alone. And that's just the space. Like you're bringing everything to it. You're bringing in catering. You're bringing in decor. So that's not even for full service venues. You're bringing things like flowers, which I didn't realize how expensive flowers were when I first started looking into it. There's a ton of other high ticket items. But if we look at the top six, the top six wedding expenses you're going to have. The first one is your reception and catering. That's going to be about half of your budget. And after that, you've got photo and video, which is about 15% of your budget. It's the second highest cost of a wedding. Packages run minimum I've seen for photo and video all day from 5000 upwards to ten. i I've gotten a couple different quotes. And this is for Cancun for Toronto. I, I don't even know, but I'm sure it's more expensive, depending on how many people you have as well. If you've got multiple photographers, a videographer, and then editing. So photo and video is your second highest cost. Third is flowers. That's about 8% of your budget. And then hair and makeup, entertainment, and the actual wedding rings. Those are also a significant part of the budget. So the average price that I was looking at, that 56000 that doesn't include the price of, of wedding bands. I'm just mentioning that because it is a big expense that you're going to have to consider. So for anyone else that's getting married or will be getting married potentially the next couple of years, make sure to factor that into your wedding budget. A lot of people think that with destination weddings, because it's all inclusive in some cases, you don't need to pay for the cost of food. But that is a misconception. So yes, food is included for your guests for the entire week, which is a really nice thing to have, especially if people are flying in and you've got a larger wedding party. You don't have to think about covering all of these meals or how everybody is going to be feeding themselves and hotel blocks and all of that. It's a little bit easier. So when they when people think about destination weddings, even though it's all inclusive, they're they're not necessarily thinking that the wedding itself is going to require so much service, extra setup, decor, potentially a special menu. And these resorts know that people are coming in from North America with larger budgets. So they do take advantage of desperate brides and grooms. And unfortunately, they charge whatever they feel like per guest for some of these weddings. So I want to explain the average cost of a destination wedding just so you can compare a little bit. And it's going to range depending on how many guests you have and where you're actually hosting it. This is something that I'll explain too. When Alex and I initially decided and committed to doing a destination wedding, we wanted to do it in a location that was special, somewhere where people or most people haven't been. We like greenery. We like adventurous things. My family's pretty crazy. They're all into like kite surfing and extreme sports. And we have a lot of friends that don't like to sit still. They like to do activities. So we needed something where it's not just a beach. Like there's a lot of things for people to do. So initially we thought St. Lucia would be perfect. It's an island in the Caribbean. And how we went about this whole wedding planning process is we picked the location first and then we tried to figure out how much it would cost each person to fly down and stay. And there are packages for most locations where the airline groups the stay, the flight, and it's an all-inclusive hotel, so food, drinks, pretty much everything is included for the person. 
and for St. Lucia, those those packages, not the wedding packages, those personal travel packages ended up being around $2,900 per person for the week, which is very pricey. Not everyone can afford that, right? If it comes out to like $6,000 per couple, and that's a lot for people to spend on a week trip that they probably wouldn't have gone on if it wasn't for us. So that's when we started looking at other options, and we still wanted it to be something unique. We started looking at Antigua and Barbuda, which is another island, and that was fairly similar when it came to costs. So what I did at this point was I started to put some feelers out. I started to call some of my friends that weren't in the wedding party, maybe not as close, and I wanted to get a sense of how they felt about that. Like, would they still come given that was the cost? And another thing that we talked about when I was putting these feelers out and talking to all these people is flights. Because the issue with some of these more remote locations is that flights only run once a week. These aren't super popular vacation spots, so chartered flights only run once a week. And some people can't commit to taking a full week off, right? They have work, they have limited vacation time, so sometimes it's not always an option. And that's when we added another requirement where the location had to have three or four day packages. We also had a requirement that it had to be a location that was family friendly because we're going to have kids at our wedding, but Alex's sister is a little bit younger, so we can't go to an adult-only resort. I don't want to exclude any family from the wedding. It's very important that they're there. Although something to note, if you are planning your wedding and you do want to do a destination wedding, adults-only resorts are significantly more luxurious and nicer. They usually have better beaches. So if you can have a wedding at an all-inclusive resort, I would recommend it. Given all these criteria points, it was pretty difficult for us to pick a destination. So at this point in the journey, now we're looking at places like Los Cabos or Cabo, the Mayan Riviera in Mexico, Dominican Republic. I really liked Cabo, but a lot of the beaches in Cabo aren't swimmable. And that's just a big miss. Like if somebody is flying to go to the ocean, you'd think swimming in the ocean should be a priority. For people that are more like pool people, I can understand why Cabo has an appeal. But if you like swimming in the ocean, Cabo, the beaches are dangerous to swim in because of undercurrents. And especially if you've got young children on the beach, that that can be very scary. I actually got pulled in to an undercurrent when I was swimming on a beach in Costa Rica when I was 12. And I was like held under in the water for about a minute and a half or what felt like a minute and a half. And it was pretty terrifying. Honestly, I don't know how long I was I was down in there, but eventually I pulled myself out of the undercurrent and managed to come out of the water. But it was terrifying. So, yeah, Cabo is a miss. After that, after Cabo and we investigated Cabo, we were looking into Dominican Republic and DR is nice, but compared to Mexico, it's lacking a little bit in experience and in terms of what they can provide from a luxury standpoint and amenities. It's a little bit more on the chill side, which is great. And Dominican Republic is a fantastic place to visit, but for a larger wedding and, you know, some people have certain expectations. So that's the reason why we were leaning more towards Mexico. And especially too, like people are traveling on their own expense to come to a wedding. So I wanted to make sure that they're getting the best experience possible. So after this, we narrowed down a few resorts. I was reaching out to them for packages for the wedding itself. And simultaneously, I also had a travel agent who was reaching out to the resorts and to the airlines 
to get quotes for guests because I needed to make sure that it was affordable for my guests. We had 140 people on the guest list. And at this moment, we have 100 people who RSVP'd yes, which I think is a pretty good ratio. I was hoping for 70%. People say for destination weddings, it's usually closer to 50%, but everybody that I would have really wanted to be there is making the trip out. So I'm really excited about that. And in the end, we decided to go with the Mayan Riviera. I'll share the resort after the wedding because I don't want to give them free publicity until after I get to experience it and really take in the resort for myself. And let me tell you guys a little bit about how we found this resort. So I had a list of resorts that my travel agent was like, you should look into these. These are vetted and approved. But frankly, as I was looking for inspiration, I saw a photo of a resort that was pinned on Pinterest when I was looking for best destination wedding resorts. And I saw this picture that just really sparked joy. I showed it to Alex and Alex was like, damn, I could totally see us getting married there. And it was the first moment in this whole process where I actually saw Alex get excited about booking something because it, it is stressful. There's a lot of you know, expectations and things that you've got to consider. But this was the first moment where Alex and I both looked at each other and we just knew like this is where we're getting married. Let's do it. Then I ended up reaching out to them and solidifying and booking that venue. But cost wise, I want to break down how much a destination wedding can cost because it is significantly less than if you are hosting it in a major metropolitan city. You have the actual ceremony, you have cocktail hour, and then you have the reception. And these are all three things that you want to consider as part of the package. And typically they include a certain number of guests, usually it's up to 30, and then you pay per head for every additional guest. I also recently found out that outside of those additional heads, you also need to pay for additional chairs that are added to the ceremony and the reception. Chairs are another cost you've got to think about, but it's minuscule compared to everything else you're dealing with. And my advice, if you can have a smaller wedding, you are going to save so much by having a smaller destination wedding. The average costs, if you're doing it in Mexico, let's say, and there's the reason why I'm talking about Mexico is Mexico is the number one destination for destination weddings. So these costs are in USD. They will charge you in USD and then you would pay the Canadian equivalent, but for 30 guests, the average cost in Mexico for a wedding is $5,000. If you have 60 guests, you're looking at 7,000 USD. And if you have 100 guests, you're looking at the minute, well, the average that I found here is 10,000, but I don't think this is fully accurate for some of the, the higher end resorts. And if you're looking at about 200 guests, the average is 15,000 US dollars. So if you've got between 100 and 200 guests, you're looking at anywhere from like 14K Canadian to 21K Canadian. And this is just food and a basic ceremony and very basic decor and setup for the reception. So this is for like a traditional one day ceremony. If you are having a Southeast Asian wedding where they've got multi-day ceremonies, that is a completely different cost. And if you're looking into destination wedding resorts, they typically have a section for Southeast Asian weddings. So outside of food, you know, your basic decor, flowers, flowers for me are a pretty important item. And specifically what I want to do is I want to use my flowers for the ceremony and then reuse them for the reception. So these are some of the other costs that we're going to incur. We're going to incur photography costs, which I mentioned is probably going to be around $5,000 for photography and videography, which is on the lower end compared to packages I've seen for, for local Toronto weddings. 
And when it comes to entertainment, we're flying in our DJ and our MC because my family and our friends like to rage. So we needed to be someone that we, we trust and have vetted. And I've definitely heard this DJ and MC at multiple events. They MC'd and DJ'd my mom's 50th birthday party, and they're a great time. So that's why we're flying them out. And outside of that, when it comes to decor, destination weddings are great because the views themselves add so much flair, so you don't necessarily need as much decor. Now, when it comes to cost breakdown, the quotes I got back for 100 guests, because that's how many have RSVP'd, they varied quite a bit. The most expensive resort that got back to me was Paradisus in Los Cabos, and they include 30 guests in their initial package. And then I added 100 more because at the time I, I wanted to account for the whole group or majority of the group. And the additional cost per head was 280 US dollars. Now, I understand that cost and I can comprehend it when we're talking about, you know, a steak and lobster dinner at a banquet hall in Toronto where food and labor costs are significantly higher. But in Cabo, I did not expect that. And the total for this quote came out to 50k USD or 70k CAD, which is absurd considering it's an all-inclusive resort. So that resort was out of the question. Again, also because that's only a base rate. Anything you add on, like a rehearsal dinner, like a welcome party, none of that is included. So Cabo was out of the question, and that brought us and solidified my Riviera more at this point. When we finally booked our venue, we got a package that showed us all of the inclusions. And this resort was fairly reasonable in terms of inclusions. So the package included chairs for the ceremony. It included the reception dinner. It included a cocktail hour with five different types of foods being brought out. And then an open bar for everyone throughout the event. And for 100 people, it came out or it's coming out to just about 18,000 USD or 25K CAD. And our hard budget for the entire wedding is 40,000 Canadian. So photos, videos, flowers, rentals, these are all extras that we're going to have to factor in. And I think that it is reasonable and I think that we can do it. Wedding budgets are very personal and like similar to anything finance related. People sometimes don't feel comfortable sharing. But my motto is to be as transparent as I can with you guys and explain where I think it makes sense to spend on and where, where you can cut back. Frankly, food at all-inclusive resorts is pretty shit either way. Some resorts might have better food than others, but food for us is, it's so not the highlight. So we're not upgrading our food, we're keeping the standard food package, which I think is going to be pretty good. But considering we're feeding 100 people and having dinner on the beach, it's a little hint for where, where we're having the reception, it's going to be pretty hard to keep warm either way. So where I'm cutting back is food. I'm just choosing not to spend any additional money on food. But where I'm splurging is on decor, is on flowers. Decor, we're going all white, very modern, elevated, lots of candles, lots of lighting, and keeping it very bright. We're going to have an LED light-up dance floor. And then I mentioned this earlier, but we're going to reuse the flowers along the aisle for the ceremony and use them as centerpieces for the reception. So that's a great way to save on that expense, in my opinion. Now, when it comes to timelines, I sent out save the dates for the wedding just about a year before the wedding. And at this point, we'd already had the venue booked. Then we did an engagement photo shoot 
and the photos turned out fantastic. We worked with a friend of ours who's a photographer, and I reached out to a bunch of different photographers before this, but one, it was fairly cost prohibitive. For just a couple hours, photographers were charging thousands. I had quotes that ranged, but it was fairly expensive. So one, working with an external photographer for a two-hour shoot was fairly cost prohibitive in terms of what we wanted to spend. And two, I figured I'd be way more comfortable working with a friend. Alex and I would open up more, it would be easier, and they would know how to capture those special moments between us. And our photos did turn out pretty magical. So once I had all the photos, I started building my wedding website to send out RSVPs. And I did this in early Feb. It took me a couple days, but I built it on WithJoy, withjoy.com. And it was so simple. It took me like I said, a couple of days working on it, you know, a couple hours at a time, nothing crazy. We used ChatGPT for all of the the story bits. Serious, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and write an essay about how we met and our experience. So ChatGPT definitely helped. And building the website on WithJoy also cost me nothing. It was free, which was awesome. So I sent the RSVPs through there. And I loved that I could send mass emails with updates whenever I needed. So that was very helpful. Because all while I'm doing this, I'm also working with a travel agent who's getting pricing from the airlines. And that that was probably the bane of my existence. I'm so happy that everybody's booked now. But as this was going on, this was so stressful, guys. I had a period of about a month where the travel agent was unresponsive, where the save the dates were sent. People knew that they were booking or were supposed to be booking at this hotel, but we didn't have any pricing, any information. I had a general idea of what the cost would be like, and I knew it wasn't going to be cost prohibitive like some of the other locations like St. Lucia and Antigua. I knew it was much more affordable for our guests, but we didn't have exact numbers, and that was frustrating. So I reached out to the airline myself, and they got back to me so fast with, with a proposal. So initially I was thinking, I'm just going to work with the airline directly. But then, you know, then I figured, I'll talk to my travel agent. I'll hear her out. I'll have her explain why she hasn't spoken to me in a month while I'm waiting for quotes and see if she has any updates. So it's kind of like playing both sides. And at this point, the airline stopped responding to me because they don't typically do group bookings. They do it through travel agencies. And I was asking them questions, so they, they stopped responding. So I was like, fuck, what do I do now? So I went back to my travel agent and I told her that the quote they gave me was lower than the quote she was giving me. So when I worked with the airline directly, they were giving me lower pricing. And this is a fact. I sent her the quote, because I wasn't making this up. And she told me she's going to work on it because it's absurd that they are giving me lower pricing than they are a travel agent. And they matched it. They matched that quote. That was a very stressful moment for me. And once I had everybody RSVP'd, I had to actually send them to the travel agent to book them in. And they had to pay deposits. That was really frustrating. The quote that the airline had sent and the quote that the travel agent also had given me, now it's the same one, it was just saving the pricing. They didn't actually have like a room block or anything like that. And the problem here is that the lower priced rooms were being booked up so fast. So I was in a bit of a pickle. We needed to book everyone in ASAP. Like we had five days to confirm everybody and book them in. So I basically became a part-time travel agent at this point. I had to call every guest. I had to explain I was very sorry for the short notice and basically blame everything on the airlines because they did not 
accommodate the situation at all. And within five days, I got a group of 100 people to commit to flying to Mexico. So that was a lot of fun. But I am so happy it's over. Because now, I don't have to worry about any of that. I don't have to worry about any of the logistics. I can just visualize and manifest and pin things to my Pinterest board and think about all things aesthetic and decor and fun. And I don't have to worry about logistics because everything is booked. That's all I can tell you guys for now. Let me know if you want to see more wedding planning updates as we go. So I'm curious to hear if you guys like this kind of content. On TikTok, a lot of people do respond well to the bridal content, but you guys know this has always been traditionally more of a insights podcast where I help women level up to be their best selves. And this is just a phase of life that I'm in right now, so I wanted to share. But if you guys like the wedding updates, let me know, shoot me a DM, and I'm happy to provide more details. But that's all that I can get into for today. I'll see you guys next week. Ciao for now.